James chapter number 5. It is good to be back in the saddle again. Amen. I'll be honest with you, I'm a little nervous. I said, good gracious, a little nervous. How many of y'all will help me, help me give a good, awesome hand to my father for filling in for me? He's done a great job. I, I figured he's going to lay out tonight since he wasn't teaching, but I, he's going to come see how I do. Amen. James chapter number five. Isn't it good to be saved? Isn't it good the devil can't do a blessed thing about him? I'm telling you, we can, we can come in here, doesn't have to put up with the devil Monday night and Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and, and come in here. My dad used to say when I was growing up, we come on Wednesday night to get gassed up. Amen. Running a little low on the spiritual tank, we'll come in and get, get fueled up for the rest of the week. So that's what we're going to try to do tonight. James chapter number five. We're going to talk about this whole chapter basically deals with two subjects that, that tie together, trouble and prayer. Say that with me. Say it again. Trouble and prayer. prayer. Four different groups of people that are having some trouble, having some issues, and what they need to do about it. Uh, How many of y'all know when you get into trouble, it's time to pray? It's time to pray. Uh, Come to the Lord and and, and give Him our needs and our burdens. Well, uh, I I, I got so much information with the the first one there. I knew it's, well, I ain't going to try to do the other three tonight. So we're just going to talk about the first one. But we're going to read the whole chapter tonight to give us kind of an overview of what we're going to be looking at for the next couple weeks. So if that makes sense, say amen. Amen. The Bible says in James chapter number 5, it says, Go to now, ye rich men, weep and howl for your miseries that shall come upon you. Your riches are corrupted, and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver is cankered, and the rest of them shall be a witness against you, and shall eat your flesh as it were fire. Ye have heaped treasure together for the last days. Behold, the hire of the laborers who have reaped down your fields, which is of you kept back by fraud, crieth. And the cries of them which have reaped are entered into the ears of the Lord of Sabbath. Ye have lived in pleasure on the earth and been wanting. Ye have nourished your hearts as in the day of slaughter. You have condemned and killed the just, and he doth not resist you. Be patient. Now he changes gears. Verses 1 through 6 deals with the selfish. Say that with me. Deals with the the selfish. Then we're going to look at the suffering. Verse number 7. Be patient, therefore, brethren, under the coming of the Lord. Behold, the husbandman waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth and hath long patience for it until he receive the early and the latter rain. Be ye also patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. Thank God. Amen. Maybe before that other one gets married, Jesus will come back. Amen. (laughs) Hallelujah. I said it, and I meant it too. Amen. (laughs) Verse number 9. Grudge not one against another, brethren, lest ye uh, be condemned. Behold, the judge standeth before the door. Take, my brethren, the prophets who have spoken in the name of the Lord for an example of suffering, affliction, and of patience. Behold, we count them happy which endure. Ye have heard of the patience of Job, and ye have seen the end of the Lord, that the Lord is very pitiful and of tender mercy. But above all things, my brethren, swear not neither by heaven, neither by the earth, neither by any other oath, but let your yea be yea and your nay nay, lest ye fall into condemnation." 
Is there, now we're changing gears again. We've moved from the selfish to the suffering. Now we're going to talk about the sick. Verse 13, is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. Is any married? Let him sing psalms. Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. The prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up, and if he hath committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that ye may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. We still believe that around temple. Prayer works. Elias was a man subject to like passions as we are, and he prayed earnestly that it might not rain, and it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. And by the way, what that means is he's a man like passions as we are. He put his britches on just like you and me. That's what it means. He's just a person. He's just an individual who knew how to pray. It says, and he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth brought forth her fruit. We're going to change gears. We talked about the selfish, the suffering, the sick. Now we're going to talk about the sinning, those who are backslidden. Brethren, if any of you do err from the truth, and one convert him, let him know that he which converteth a sinner from the error of his way shall save a soul from death, and shall hide a multitude of sins. Father, thank you, Lord, for your blessings. Thank you for your goodness and your mercy. Lord, I pray right now that you will help us, help us to study and glean from your word. I pray that you'll give us what we stand in need of. You know what this week's been like, and you know what it's going to be like. I pray, Lord, that you'll help us all. Help us to receive from you what we need to be energized, to be encouraged, Lord, to be lifted up, to go out and fight again to go out and resist the devil, to go out and, and win the lost, to go out and share the gospel, to go out and take back what the devil stole. I pray that you'll give us the ability to be the Christians we should be. Lord, sometimes we fail, sometimes we fall, and Lord, we, we make mistakes, and not only mistakes, but we just do stupid things. We willfully do stupid things. And I pray that you'll forgive us for mistakes and the issues that we walked right into with wide, eyes wide open. Forgive us of our attitudes. Forgive us of issues in our life that would quench and grieve the Holy Spirit. And I pray the Holy Spirit to have his way tonight. I pray that your perfect will be done. In Jesus' name we all pray. And all God's people say it. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. If you, have, if you need an outline, I, 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 we usually do this uh, ahead of time and I forgot to do that. Uh, if you need an outline, raise your hand, brother. If you can't, I don't know. If, ooh, you're gonna have some. You're gonna need some help, brother. You got, Amen. Help, help them with them outlines. Pass them things out. Uh, raise, raise your hand real high, cause I want you to get this. We print these for a reason. Uh, uh, raise your hand real high. I can't believe we got Bible study and they slammed to the back row back there. Uh, and, and Jeff, you holding the fort down back there, son? Amen. All right. If they try to get away, lock the door. Amen. Raise your hand. Raise your hand. Raise your hand real high. If you need an outline, make sure you get that outline. We want you to fill this out. Take it home with you. How, you say, why do we do that? Because we don't have a photographic memory. Say amen right there. Take it home with you. Put it with your notes, and, and we'll, we'll, it'll help us learn. When you hear it and you see it and you, you, you're involved in doing it, it, it just helps you to remember a little bit longer, okay? Here, here was four different groups of people. Four different groups of people that we talked about in this one particular chapter that was dealing with trouble. They were dealing with issues. Now, the first group, the one we're going to talk about tonight, probably didn't think they were in trouble. 
They were rich. They were wealthy. They probably thought they had everything uh, that was necessary. They probably didn't think they had issues, but James could see some things that they couldn't see. Now, uh, I know what you're thinking. I know what you're thinking. Say, Preacher, why are we going to talk about this? It'll take a whole hour to talk about this because ain't nobody in here wealthy. Well, number one, we don't really know that. Number two, it's not necessarily about the wealthy themselves. It's how they treat what God has given them. Do you realize you can be wealthy right now and not even know it? God cares about how you treat $5 as much as he cares how you treat $5 million. Hello. Now, we're going to talk about this, the wealthy. Then later on, we're going to talk about, uh, or excuse me, not necessarily the wealthy, but the selfish. You can be wealthy and be godly. Say amen right there. Abraham was a godly man. Jacob was a godly man. Uh, uh, Isaac was a godly man. All three of them were unbelievably wealthy. David was a man after God's own heart. Solomon was the wisest man ever lived. All of these were wealthy. It's not wealth that causes sin. It's how we treat it and what it does. Are y'all with me? Say amen. Many people, many people misquote, misquote the verse, and they say that money is the root of all evil. Well, that's not so. That's not what the Bible says. See, this is what will happen when you start misquoting the Bible, when you, when you start changing what the Bible says. The Bible does not say money is the root of all evil. It says the love of money. The love of money. Money's neutral. Money's neutral. It's amoral, if you will. It's amoral. It's not good and it's not bad. Listen, it's not good and it's not bad. In other words, uh, you can do both with it. You can, you can do good. Money can buy a hospital, can it? Money can buy medicine, but it can also buy meth. Go with me? You can do good or bad with it. It's all determined by what you do it and how you use it. So, so we're going to talk about a little bit about that tonight. Then next week, we're going to talk about the, the, the suffering. The suffering. Uh, people that are going through it. People that are just dealing with it. I mean, just, just facing patience. And by the way, this is the number one, two, three, and four on your notes if you want to go ahead and fill these in. Uh, verses one through six deal with the selfish. Number two, uh, verses 7 through 12 deal with the suffering. We're going to talk about patience, and we're going to talk about prayer, and we're going to talk about coming to God with our issues. Sometimes we go to everybody but God. We try everything but God. And we use the phrase, all we can do now is pray, when that's what we should have been doing in the beginning. Amen? So we're going to talk about the suffering. Then, Then write this. Then we're going to talk about the sick. The sick. What do we do when we get sick? What do we do when we have issues in that that way? And then the sinning, the sinning. How many of y'all know that as a Christian, uh, we can fall in all four of these categories? It's it's easy. It's easy to get messed up in areas. It's easy to allow sin to come in and 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 kind of stray away from where we need to be and where we want to be. So, well, that being said, let's talk about the first section, verses 1 through 6, and deal with what he's dealing with. He is, James is primarily dealing with some, some men who were wealthy, but their wealth was not gained in the right way. One of the things that we look at here in verse number 1, let's look at it, it says, it says, Go to now, ye rich men, weep and howl for your miseries that shall come upon you. 
Your riches are corrupted. Your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver is cankered. And the rust of them shall be a witness against you and shall eat your flesh as it were fire. Ye have heaped treasure together for the last days. Behold, the hire of the laborers have reaped down your fields, which is of you kept by fraud. They crieth, and the cries of them which have reaped are entered into the ears of the Lord. How many are glad God hears our prayer? Ye have lived in pleasure on the earth and been wanton. Ye have nourished your hearts as in the day of slaughter. Ye have condemned and killed the just, and he doth not resist you. Number one, let's look at this. Uh, under, under the selfish, uh, uh, point number one, or, or Roman numeral number one, we have the selfish, but here's how I want you to look at the first sub-point. What is he dealing with? What is, what, is, what is the issue that James has with these people? Because it's not necessarily just the fact that they were wealthy, just the fact that they had plenty of money or, or possessions and, and that, that type of thing. He, he deals with this subject. A, write this down. The acquiring, the acquiring of their wealth. How they got their wealth. How they got their wealth. How they were able to get what they had. The Bible says in verse number 4, verse number 4, Behold, the hire of the laborers who have reaped down your fields, which is of you, kept back by fraud. Kept back by fraud. Now here, let's look at our notes. The Bible does not discourage the acquiring of wealth. In the law of Moses, specific rules are laid down for getting and securing wealth. The Jews in Canaan owned their own property. They worked it. They benefited from the produce. And in several of his parables, Jesus indicated his respect for personal property and private gain. What the Bible does condemn is acquiring wealth by illegal means or for illegal purposes. Number one, how did they get their wealth? They held back wages. Write that down. Number, number one, they held back wages. <clears throat> back in that day, back in that day, laborers were hired and paid by the day. And they did not have any legal contracts with their employers. The parable of the laborers in Matthew 21 through 16 gives some idea of the system in that day. If you'll remember, they would come to the marketplace and say, Hey, I got some work to do. Would you all like to come out and work? At the end of the day, they would pay them their wages. Does this make sense with everybody? In other words, you didn't go work for an employee and at the end of the week you got your check. Every day they paid you out as that, as that day went. And, and what was happening is they were not paying up. They were not giving their hire. Listen, the rich men had hired the laborers and promised to pay them a specific amount. The men had completed their work but not been paid. How many of y'all believe that the Bible is, is true and right and still, it still uh, 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 is in effect where it says, Thou shalt not steal? Well, they wasn't paying their laborers. They were getting wealthy off the back of the poor people. They were oppressing the poor people and not paying their wages. So it could pad their pockets. Now, I know what you're thinking. Preacher, I don't have any employees. I don't have people that work for me. I don't have all this kind of stuff, so this really doesn't pertain to me. Well, I, I, I believe we can apply it to today by saying this. If you have somebody work on your car and you don't pay them, you're stealing. It's the same thing. They make a wage by doing a service for you. And, and if we do not pay them the service, we're, we are doing the same thing as these people in James chapter number 5. Man, is quiet. Somebody's car broke down. I can hear it. I'm telling you. Are y'all with me? 
Now, it should never be said of a Christian, it should never be said of anybody, but especially a Christian, that we don't pay our bills. The sad part is, is a lot of times, church people take advantage of other church people. Now, I'm telling you, and I, it, it might get a little hairy, and I don't want it to be that way on my first night back, but listen, it is what it is. If somebody does a service for you, you should pay them their wage. And, and let me say this, just because they, do, they go to church with you doesn't mean they should give you everything free. They got to make a living too. Hello. Here's what happens. Here's what happens. So-and-so on this side of the building knows that so-and-so on this side of the building does the service. Maybe they build. Maybe they fix. Maybe they frame. Maybe they repair this or that or whatever that might be. They say, well, they go to church with me, so they should, you know, I'm a church member. We're in the same family. They should do it for such and such. And then when they say they can't because they have to pay bills too, they have to do this, then, well, I tell you what, what kind of Christian is that? I've heard it. Well, what kind of a Christian would expect them to do it for nothing? Hello? Everybody everybody has to make a living. Now, now, don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. I'm not against helping anybody. I have everybody I can when I can, how I can, any way I can. And, 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 and so do other people. But I believe it's wrong to take advantage of people when you have it to do. Sometimes hard times fall, granted. Sometimes issues come. I get it. I've had to go to people and say, look, man, it's been a rough week. Is there any way we can work something? And that's not what I'm talking about. What he's talking about is this. They have it to pay and don't. Y'all with me? And because of that, they were getting wealthy on the back of someone else because they were holding back their wages. If that makes sense, say amen. Number two, they were not only holding back wages that they owed, but they were also, number two, they manipulated the courts. They manipulated the courts. The old saying is this, what's the golden rule? Who has the gold makes the rules. Now, you can't appreciate that unless you're poor, amen? And I believe we got a lot of appreciation in here. Amen? It's hard to fight the system. It's hard to fight. It's hard to fight wealth. When you got money, you can, you can things happen for you. Are y'all with me? Say amen. It is often the case that those who have wealth also have political power and can get what they want. Uh, now, when God established Israel in, in their land, he gave the people a system of courts. We read this in Deuteronomy 17. He warned the judges not to be greedy. They were not to be partial to the rich or the poor. No judge was to tolerate perjury. Bribery was condemned by the Lord. The prophet Amos even denounced the judges in his day who took bribes and fixed cases. Now, the courts in James's day were apparently easy to control if you had enough money. The poor workers could not afford expensive lawsuits, so they were beaten down every time. The workers had the just cause, but they were not given justice. Instead, they were abused and ruined. Now, killed in this particular sense could be taken in a figurative way. Though it is possible that the rich men could oppress the poor, that the poor would die, 
The poor man did not resist, as you see in verse number verse number six, ye have condemned and killed the just, and he doth not resist you. It's not that he didn't want to, he didn't have the ability to. The poor man did not resist the rich man because he had no weapons with which to fight. All he could do was call on the Lord for justice. I, I, I want to say something right here. Uh, <clears throat> I see a lot of I see a lot of uh, issues issues where where people have suffered injustice. I see it in the court systems. I see it in financial arenas. I see it in in family issues, whether it might be child issues, child. Uh, 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 support or, or, or chi- what's it when you get uh, not alimony but w- with, with the child when you get control custody custody that's the word I was looking for custody uh, uh, and, and I have seen I have seen a lot of shady garbage are y'all with me and depending on who you got depending on who you got determine what you got but depending on who you got was dependent on what you had to give. Now, uh, I'm saying all this because I, I, I've seen this over and over and over again. I've seen people suffer extremely in, in, in a bad way. And, and I, I want to say this. I want to say this. I, 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 don't think, I don't think anybody in here is at that place of doing that to somebody else. I hope you're not. I pray you're not. I pray if you're... You're, you're doing somebody wrong, and it doesn't matter whether you're doing it legally. It doesn't matter whether you have the upper hand or, or, or the law is on your side. If it's injustice, you ought to repent and get right with Jesus. But I want to, I want to speak to the one that's being done wrong. I want to speak to the one that's, that's, that's the, the injustice is against you. According to this chapter, when you cry out to God, God hears your prayer. When you call out unto him and you bring your issue unto him and you tell him your situation, I am glad, I am thankful that we have a God who cares. He does not care about our bank account. He doesn't care about our influence. He doesn't care about our political issues. He doesn't care about our political persuasion or influence. He cares about the needy. He cares about the broken. He cares about the helpless. He cares. Somebody say amen. No matter what the situation is. We have a just God, and he is here. And I promise you this, I promise you this, time will bring it all to pass. I, 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 I've, heard, I've heard some stuff here recently about some, some the things that have gone on uh, lately at Temple and, 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 and this one's saying this and this one's saying that. And preacher, what are you going to, I'm not going to do anything. I'm not going to do anything. Because time is always on the side of right. So, well, preacher, you don't understand. It's been such, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. When it's all said and done. I said, when it's all said and done. How many of y'all have ever heard that phrase? It'll all come out in the wash. Mm Mm-hmm. There's a souped-up whirlpool. Say amen. I'm going to leave that right there. Amen. Not only, not only how they acquired their wealth, but I want you to see this. B, how they used their wealth. James not only dealt with how they got it, they got it in a wicked way. They got it in a deceptive way. They were basically stealing. But then he didn't like the way they were using it. <clears throat> the Bible said, now this is, this is where we can really, 
I think the biggest majority of us tonight can, can, can associate or, or, or maybe glean from it now. Now we can apply this to our life. How are we using what we have? It says in verse number 3, Your gold and silver is cankered, and the rust of them shall be a witness against you, and shall eat your flesh as it were fire. Ye have heaped treasure together for the last days. Ye have heaped treasure together for the last days. The word heap there basically means to hoard. To hoard. They hoarded it up. They were stealing. They were grabbing. They were getting everything they could and hoarding it up, hoarding it up, hoarding it up, heaping it up, heaping it up. You say, well, preacher, you got something against saving? No, no, no. I no. God, no, no, no. I believe in saving. I believe in stewardship. And I believe we should, we should be good stewards of what God has given us. But, but here's the issue. There's nothing sinful at all about saving. In 2 Corinthians 12, 14, it says, For the children ought not to lay up for the parents, but the parents for the children. In other words, it's talking about saving and inheritance. But it is wrong to store up wealth when you owe money to your employees. Are y'all with me? These rich men were hoarding grain, gold, and garments. They thought that they were rich because they had possessions instead of laying up treasures in heaven by using their wealth for God's glory. They were selfishly guarding it for their own security and pleasure. Now watch this. This is, so, this is amazing. The same people he's talking to is doing everything they can. They're robbing, they're stealing, they're cheating from their neighbors. They're doing everything they can to hoard it up, hoard it up, to get, to get, to get, to get. Now watch this. Not more than 10 years after James wrote this letter, Jerusalem fell to the Romans, and every bit of what they accumulated was gone. Say amen. Listen, what did Jesus mean? What did he mean by laying up treasures in heaven? To lay up treasures in heaven means to use all that we have as stewards of God's wealth. You and I may possess many things, but we do not own them. God is the owner of everything, and we are his stewards. What we possess and use are merely things apart from the will of God. When we yield to his will and use what he gives us to serve him, then things become treasures and we are investing in eternity. What we do on earth is recorded in heaven and God keeps the books. I mean, y'all glad God keeps the books? And he pays the interest. Now, here's, here's a, great, a great story that we could plug in right here. How many of y'all remember the story that Jesus told about the rich man who had, who had barns that were filled with, with, with goods and, and filled with all the provision and the produce that he had? He said, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? I tell you what we're going to do. We're going to tear down these old smaller barns. We're just going to build greater barns, and then we're going to fill them up. What's he doing? He's heaping. He's heaping. And he said, then we're going to take our ease. We're just going to chill out. We're going to have a good time. We're going, to, we're going to enjoy all that we've heaped up. There's only one problem. Jesus said, tonight, my soul shall be required of thee. You remember what, you remember what Brother Wood said when he was preaching that morning? He said about that guy that was looking as far as you could look that way and that guy that as far as that way and, and that way. And he said, you're rich all this, but how rich are you? that way ten years the Romans came and took it all how many people are so dependent on their wealth and they're so afraid they're so afraid 
You know what? Many wealthy people can't be happy. They can't be happy. Especially, and, 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 and the most difficult ones are those who were very poor and became very wealthy. Because those that were very poor who became very wealthy, uh, they are so scared to death that they're going to be poor again. Preacher, what's the point? Uh, I think the point is this. When your trust is in your riches, you're going to be nervous all the time. You're going to be nervous all the time that somebody may come and take what you have. But if it ever gets through your head that everything we have is God's, and if God wants us to have it, we'll have it. And if God doesn't want us to have it, there's nothing we can do to keep it. When every, amen. Hey, Job was the richest man in the east. He was the richest man in the east. God took everything he had, not only his family, not only his finances, but also his fitness, even his own physical health. And this is what he said. The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. How in God's name could he stand there and say it like that after he had lost everything? Because of this fact right here. He said, naked came I into this world and naked shall I return. When I came into this world, I didn't have a blessed thing. When I came into this world, I didn't own anything. I didn't have anything. So whatever I did receive, God gave it to me. And if God gave it to me, he has a right to take it away. And if he takes it away, bless God, he has the ability to give it back. Blessed be the name of the Lord. He also said, though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. Now, how could he say that? Because he also said, I know my Redeemer liveth and shall stand at the latter day on this earth. And though the skin worms destroy this body of mine, yet in my flesh I shall see God. Preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying this. I don't care about your 401K. I don't care about your retirement plan. I don't care about the job that you have. You're not dependent on none of that. You're not dependent on the check you receive every Friday. You're not dependent on your employer or the economy. Your, hey, hey, your provider is God in heaven. And no matter what happens here on this earth, if your trust is in him, everything's going to be all right. Are y'all with me? I got to have it. 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 I said, I told one guy, I said, look, man, you can't take it with you. And this is what he said. He said, no, but I need enough to finish the trip. <laughs> Hello? You know what that dude built in that barn? He didn't realize his trip was over. He said, tonight thy soul shall be required of thee. And then who's going to get all this stuff? I know what you're thinking. I know what you're thinking. You're against stuff. No, I'm for stuff. I like stuff. I like lots of stuff. Y'all with me? I'm no dummy. Come on. Somebody says, money can't buy happiness. No, but it knocks the edge off of poverty. Say amen right there. I'm not against having it. God's not against having it. What God is against is when it has you. And you're so consumed with it. And all we can do is think about it. What if they get it? What, what about the economy? What about it? What about what? Listen, how they use their money. James said, 
And, and you know what? When he said, when he said it'll eat your flesh like fire, it's, that's telling the truth. Most rich people, not all rich people, but, but many wealthy people, they can't enjoy life at all because they're getting eat up on the inside because they're so afraid they're going to lose what they have. Amen. Listen. <clears throat> uh, number two. They not only hoarded it up. How, how many of y'all know that the Bible, well, when the Bible says give and it, what it? Whatever you give, give and it shall be given unto you. Press down, shading together, running over. I think I missed one of them, but there's something else that goes with that. It's a lot. Say amen. And all this stuff, in other words, what comes back is always more than you give. It's, it's the principle, you know, when you put the, the kernel of corn in the ground and, and that ear comes up, there are hundreds of that one that you put in the ground on that, on that cob. And, and so... If we have the mentality that we're going to be generous, if we have the mentality that we're going to share, we're just going to do what? God, what do you want me to do? This is yours. Can I confess something? Can I confess something? Can y'all keep a secret? I see that's a no. Am I doing that? Is that, is that me? All right. Well, whatever. Uh, the, the very first time when we did faith in action, when we did faith in action, I, I was constantly a nervous wreck. What, 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 you know, what if we, what if our people don't really buy into it and they don't catch the vision and they see this? And, 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 I, and, and I'm constantly, constantly thinking all of it rests on me. Well, I got to preach real good. I got I to share the vision real clear. I got to really motivate and be encouraging and, 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 and man, you talking about a weight? You talking about carrying a burden? If I don't do it good, and if I don't do it right, and if I'm not a, if I'm not a great speaker, and if I'm, if, if I don't articulate it in just a way, they may not buy into the vision. If they don't buy into the vision, this may become a failure. And there's something that happened. I can't even explain it. I, 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 don't, I don't know why. I, I mean, it's like I knew it intellectually. I knew it in my mind. I just couldn't get it to really sink in. But it's not my problem. This is not my building. This is not my ministry. I don't have to be good at none of that stuff. He's going to do it. It's his problem. If you don't buy in, take it up with him. Do you know how much do you know how much was lifted off my shoulders when it really got into my head that this is his? He's gonna supply the need. And no matter what flips up on that screen up there, ain't my problem. What are you talking about? What I'm saying is this. If you could ever get that your life is in his hands. And if you put him first and you honor him, everything in your life is his problem. Your bills are his problem. Your food bill is his problem. Your light bill is his problem. And you know how much stress that will take out of your life? 
if you realize that he is our God. Well, you remember the, you remember the message a couple weeks ago? Be still and that I am God. And all God's people say it. Let's, let's, let's keep on, keep on. I'm going to run a rabbit and we won't finish. Uh, number two, <clears throat> they used their wealth. They hoarded it up. They were scared. They were, they were insecure. They had to have it. They had to have it. They, number two, they also kept others from benefiting from it. Number four, they kept back their wages. And by fraudulent means, the rich men robbed the poor. Now, since we're stewards of God's wealth, we have certain responsibilities toward our master. We must be faithful to use what he gives us for the good of others and the glory of God. Man, that's important. You, you go, look, go look through the book of Proverbs. Look at the book of Proverbs and see how many times it talks about uh, uh, giving to the poor or giving to the needy or helping those that, that, that are in a bad situation or in a bad way. We have a responsibility. Now, I, this is difficult. I don't know about y'all, but, but I'm skeptical. Is anybody skeptical in here? Is anybody, when, you, when, you, when, you, when, you, when you're riding down the road and you see a man holding up his sign, y'all with me? That, that just, I, 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 I'm just in a bad way. I shouldn't have watched 60 Minutes and saw the guy making all that money and going and wasting that to horse track. That, hmm. We helped a guy. We helped a guy here one time, and 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 you know, got him some food and some and, and the story. And it, it's always the the most. I, I, I'm I'm gonna throw this thing in the yard if it just if it, what unwind it. Is that is that what it is? All right. How many of y'all will pray for this microphone? Uh, I got a picture. I got a picture on my phone. It's, it looks like a little koala bear, and he's holding up his hand, and he said, "Today's not the day." And I ain't the one. Amen. <laughs> this is what I'm telling this mic. Today ain't today, my friend. Amen. Uh, we, we helped this guy and, 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 you know, he was going to Chicago or somewhere, you know, his mother died. And, and y- y'all know the story. It's the same. And, uh, and, and I was going down the road and a couple days later in Decatur, and I was coming up the Beltline. And sure enough, out on the highway, there he was holding up the sign. And, I mean, this is just a couple of days. <clears throat> and and I, y'all know I had to stop. <clears throat> and so I pulled over and, and pulled up there, and I walked just straight up to him in his face because I figured he had recognized me, and, you know, and, and, his, and he went through, started with his spiel, and I was like, dude, you don't even know who I am, do you? And, and the point, he, he sees so many people, he didn't even have a clue who I was. Two days later. And we helped him significantly, too. And, and anyway, I, I shared some stuff with him <clears throat> that day. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> that I prayed over later. Amen. <laughs> but when you, when, you, when you get to that point, honestly, I was in my car coming home. And I was saying, I ain't helping nobody else. Bless God, that's the last time. Ah, y'all with me? Come on, come on. Y'all don't act like that. I know y'all ain't that spiritual. Come on. How many of y'all, y'all get frustrated over that? But you know what? That can't stop us 
That can't stop us from being obedient to the command. Preacher, what do we do? We pray. We pray. I, I, I really believe this. I really believe this. We pray. And when, when a situation comes up, a situation comes, and this happened before, it's happened after that, it's that, that God will impress upon my heart, help them. I think we need to be sensitive. I think we need to be obedient to that and, and be willing to help someone. Why? Why? If you want God to help you, you've got to be willing to help somebody else. And they, this crowd here, was not doing that. Matter of fact, they were doing the opposite. They were taking from them. So they were keeping others from benefiting from wealth and using it for God's glory. Number three, they lived in luxury. Verse number five. Verse number five. Ye have lived in pleasure on the earth and been wanting, and ye have nourished your hearts as in a day of slaughter. Listen, <clears throat> is it bad to be have luxury? No. It's about to have a luxurious car or a luxurious house or, or any of that nature. When luxury is waste, then it becomes sin. All of us are grateful for the good things of life, and we would certainly not want to return to primitive conditions. But we need to recognize that the fact that there is a point of diminishing returns. Jesus said in Luke twelve fifteen, Take heed and beware of covetousness, for a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesseth, there is a great difference. Now listen, underline this right here. <clears throat> underline this right here. There is a great difference between enjoying what God has given us and living extravagantly on what we have and withheld from others. You see, it's all in what we do with it. How many of y'all have ever heard of Dave Ramsey? Dave Ramsey. Isn't he a hoot? I, I, I love listening to him because he don't his filter's broken. <clears throat> I'm I'm serious. He 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 just don't play whatsoever. Uh, one one dude called in and, and, and he was having marriage problems and Dave said, Why are you having marriage problems? He says, Well, I got my girlfriend pregnant and, and we're having financial problems because I'm gonna have I'm gonna have child support issue and, and, and Dave throws that, that dumb look on like and he waits, and, and, and this guy's just telling, and, and it's just, it gets worse. I mean, even worse than what he just said. It's just one thing after another, just pitiful. And Dave says, listen, son, you don't have a money problem. You have a character problem. You need to get your character. And man, for about 15 minutes, he unloaded him, I mean, both barrels, and wide open, told him he needed to get his heart right, and blah, blah, blah. And, and went, anyway, anyway, uh, uh, you, if you know a little bit about him, you know that he, he went broke. And, 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 and was a millionaire, went broke, poor money habits and all that kind of thing, learned some things, and, and now he teaches people and has helped countless, countless, countless numbers of people to get out of debt and get financially secure and so forth and so on, get on their feet, and just, just has been an incredible blessing to, the, to the, the, the people of God and just and even lost people for that matter. Well, God has extremely blessed him because he is an extremely generous giver. I mean an extremely generous giver. Well, uh, he is building a house right now, and, and, and it's, it's a nice house. A nice one. Are y'all with me? Say amen. It's going to be completely debt-free. There, there's not going to be a mortgage on it. But it's, it's nice. Well, somebody sent in, somebody sent, you know, and, and was berating him and you know and saying all this kind of stuff well you preach this and you 
And, and, and you know, here, here we have a guy who has had the blessings of God on his life because he's living his life according to that Bible. He is being generous, and because he's being generous, God is blessing him. You know what? That's just biblical. God said he would do that. God said he would do that. And so here, here is the situation. He, taught, he, he, he explained to this, uh, uh, this caller that, uh, uh, of the different thing, and he, and he wasn't bragging. He wasn't doing anything. He was just sharing the things, and he said, listen, God wants you to enjoy your life. God wants to bless you. And God wants to bless you with things he can trust you with. If he can trust you, he will give it to you. I am not going to give my keys to uh, little Harper. If you don't know who little Harper is, it's my niece's little girl. She's about this big. She can't even hold a sippy cup. Say amen. She's not mature enough. She can't handle the keys of the car. You know why some of us have issues? Because we can't handle it. We want God to give us more. But if you can't handle $5, you can't handle 50 and some of us understand that, that, well, I just need to make more money. If you can't manage what you have, making more ain't going to change anything because you'll just spend it too. I didn't really mean to get on a Dave seminar right here, but my point is this. There's nothing wrong with having something nice as long as we're doing what God says with the rest. Did y'all catch that? Now watch, everybody hold out your hand. Hold out your hand. Hold out your hand. Like this. Like there's something in it. Imagine everything you have is in your hand. Do you realize God put it all in there? Now, if we will learn to do this, okay, God, where do you want this? Where do you want that? Say that with me. Where do you want? And where do you want? If we'll learn to be obedient to that, God may give you some for this hand. Some of y'all don't believe it. You don't hold up the other hand. Well, keep your hand down then. Bless God. How many y'all? How many y'all grew up in church your whole life? Even from a little kid, you grew up in church. You know? How many y'all? How many y'all heard missionaries come in and give sob stories and try to guilt you out of giving up your Pepsi and RC Cola and and, and moon pie so a missionary can have your seventy cent a day? Raise your hand. See, I, I've heard that my whole life. They come in and show the slides and little children starving. And, 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 and then when I go and buy my Milky Way, it bothers me while I'm eating it. <clears throat> Y'all didn't catch that, did you? Y'all didn't. It bothered me, but I went ahead and ate it. Amen. <laughs> I, I remember him saying this. It, this was, it was totally different than anything I'd ever heard. This missionary, he was talking about, he was talking about generosity. And he was talking about giving. And he began, to, he began to talk about the blessings of God on America. Now, whether you believe this or not, whether you want to think it this way, America has been incredibly blessed by God. There are, people, there are people all over the world that live on just a few dollars a day. I mean, I mean millions and millions of people. The poorest person in here is wealthy compared to some of the places we've been on a mission trip. And in all of that time, this is what the missionary said. He said, listen, he said, buy your Coke. He said, buy your, 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 your moon pie. He said, enjoy the blessings of God. But remember to be a blessing to someone else. And man, I, that, that night I was sitting there 
Because every other person I heard talk about it, every other missionary I heard coming, they would always try to put the guilt, because how can you enjoy this? When, and, and then I thought, God wants to bless you. If you have a child, if you have a child and, and you give that child something nice, do you want them to feel guilty over it the whole time? Think about it. I can't even, I can't even play with my toy because there's little children in China that don't have one. No. You gave it to them because you want them to enjoy it. You know, our Father in Heaven's the same way. Let me tell you, when He gets bent out of shape, when you hoard everything up like you're going to lose it, like somebody's going to take it away from you and you're going to miss out, that's when He gets bent out of shape. And I tell you what He'll also do. He'll cut, he'll cut it off. Y'all with me? Let's, let's don't let possessions have us. Let's allow God to, to own our possessions. Uh, I want you to see the outcome of their wealth. See, the outcome. What happens? The rich thought, and I got to hurry too, by the way, so y'all listen fast because I'm going to start talking fast. I mean, like an auctioneer, amen? The rich thought they had it made because of their wealth. But God thought otherwise. Look what he said to them. Now, we, we would... We would associate verse 1 with those that are suffering, right? We would associate what, what, what verse 1 says with those who are being oppressed and those who are being cheated out of their wages and, and their salaries. But watch who he's saying this to. Go to now ye, ye rich, say it with me, ye, watch what he said. Weep and howl for your miseries. What? That shall come upon you. It's coming. It's coming. Listen, they thought they had it made. But James began to issue the consequences of misusing your wealth. Number one, what's the first consequence? Riches will vanish. How many of y'all know uh, money uh, is, is moving it's usually always moving away. It's always moving. Now think about it. It's always in circulation. It's always moving. When your hand to this person's hand to this person, you go to the bank and it goes from their hand to your hand to the bill. And then, and, and then it's all, but you know what? If we hoard it and we think we're saving it, guess what? We're just going to end up losing it. Look what he said to him. In verse 2, he said, your grain's going to rot. Gold will rust. It will, it will go away. And not necessarily rust like we think like as iron ore rust. It, it, it disappears. It disappears. It's one day, you think you have such and such, and then all, you turn around, and next, where'd that go? Where'd that money go? Our garments will become moth-eaten. Nothing material in this world will last forever. A new car gets old the moment you drive it off the lot. Y'all with me? Nothing material in this world lasts forever. The seeds of death and decay are found in all of creation. It is a great mistake to think that there is security in wealth. 
Paul wrote this, instruct those who are rich in this present world not to be conceited or to fix their hopes on uncertainty of riches. Riches are uncertain. The money market fluctuates from hour to hour, and so does the stock market. Actually, gold does not rust the way iron does, but the idea is the same. Gold will lose its value. Add to this the fact that life is brief, and we cannot take wealth with us, and you can see how foolish it is to live for the things of this world. God said to the rich man, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then who shall those things be which thou hast provided? Number one, riches will... Say it with me. Riches will vanish. Number two, misuse riches erode character. Verse three, misuse riches erode character. Verse three, your gold and silver is cankered. It means corrupt. It's cankered and the rust of them shall be a witness against you and shall eat your flesh as it were a fire. Ye have heaped treasure together for the last days. Their corrosion... The corrosion, the word cankered there. Uh, this is present judgment. In other words, the poison of wealth has infected them and they are being eaten alive from the inside. You'd be amazed. You'd be amazed at the wealthy people that have stomach problems all the time. They're constantly working. They're getting eat up from the inside out. Boy, that's biblical. Say amen. Listen, they're getting eaten alive. Of itself... Money is not sinful, it's neutral. The love of money, as we've already said, is the root of all evil. Thou shalt not covet. Say that with me. Thou shalt not covet is the last of the Ten Commandments, but it is the most dangerous. Why? Covetousness will make a person break all the other nine. Underline that. People will kill to get something, won't they? People will steal to get something, won't they? People will lie to get something, won't they? Amen. Listen. <clears throat> if riches increase, Psalm 62.10, if riches increase, set not your heart upon them. A good name is rather to be chosen than great riches and loving favor rather than silver and gold. Number three, not only do we see misused riches, they erode our character. Then number three, judgment is certain. Judgment is certain. <clears throat> Verse 3 and 5. Verse 5 says this, Ye have lived in pleasure on the earth and been wanting. Ye have nourished your hearts as a day in a day of slaughter. In other words, you're, you're getting fattened up for the kill. One day, one day. See, see the problem with this whole deal is Verse 4. Behold, the higher the laborers who have reaped down your fields, which is of you kept by fraud, crieth. What's the big deal? Well, their cries, listen, the cries are entered into the ears of the Lord of Sabbath. In other words, one day you're going to stand before God for how you use people, treat people, and how you use what God has given you. Are y'all with me? Say amen. Watch what's going to, watch what the Bible says in these verses. James not only saw a present judgment, which talks about the eating alive from the inside, uh, but also a future judgment before God. Jesus Christ will be that judge, and his judgment will be righteous. Look at the witnesses that are going to stand before the rich men. Number one, the rich man's wealth itself will witness against them. James 5, 3. The rich man's wealth will witness against them. 
Their rotten grain, their rusted gold and silver, their moth-eaten garments will bear witness of the selfishness of their heart. There's a bit of irony here. The rich men save their wealth to help them, but their hoarded riches only testify against them. It's like the moron that steals an iPhone and takes a picture of themselves with it. Hello? His own evidence condemns him. Does that make sense? I'm sorry. The, the thief that took it. Amen? Number two, the wages they held back, the wages they held back will witness against them. Money talks, doesn't it? These stolen salaries cry out to God for justice and judgment. God heard Abel's blood cry out from the ground. And he hears this stolen money cry out too. Number three, the workers will testify against them. James 5, 4. There will be no opportunities for the rich to bribe the witnesses or the judge this time. God hears the cries of his oppressed people and he will judge righteously. This judgment is a serious thing. The lost will stand before Christ at the great white throne judgment. The saved will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Now, if you're saved, God will not judge your sins because they've already been judged on the cross. But he will judge our works and our ministry. If we have been faithful in serving and glorifying him, we will receive a reward. If we have been faith unfaithful, we shall lose our reward, but not our salvation. Somebody say amen. Number four, real quickly. The worst part about this whole deal, the worst part about this whole deal, the loss of a precious opportunity. The loss of a precious opportunity. Let me read this and then I'll share what's on my heart. The last days indicates that James believed that the coming of the Lord was near. <clears throat> we must work while it is day, John 9, 4. Think of the good. Think of the good that could have been accomplished with the hoarded wealth. There were poor people in that congregation who could have been helped. There were workers who deserved their wages. Sad to say, in a few years, the Jewish nation was defeated and scattered and Jerusalem was destroyed. It is good to have the things that money can buy, provided you also have the things that money can't buy. What good is a $500,000 house if there is no home? Or a million-dollar diamond ring if there is no love? You can buy a mattress, but you can't buy sleep. Hello? You can buy food, but you can't buy an appetite. Uh, James did not condemn riches or rich people. He condemned the wrong use of riches and rich people who use their wealth as a weapon and not as a tool with which to build. It is possible to be poor in this world, but yet rich in the next world. It is also possible to be rich in this world and poor in the next world. The return of Jesus Christ will make some people poor and others rich, depending on the spiritual condition of their heart. For where your treasure is, there will your... Watch this. Underline, underline this last sentence. What we keep, we... What we give to God, we... And he adds... Somebody say amen. Now watch this. What's that? La what's what's number four? What's number four? Say it again. The loss of a precious what? Do you remember what I said Sunday? Do you remember what I said Sunday? You know, 
I, I, I want everybody to know it's not about the money. It's not about hurrying up and getting a parking lot. It's not about hurry up and getting out of debt. It's not hurry up to, to, to get that team building finished. And by the way, they was jammed down there tonight. It was really cool. Say amen. It's about our people, Temple Baptist family members, having an opportunity to see God do something great in their life. Well, I just don't like none of that stuff, and I, I'm this and I'm that. Well, listen, don't lose out on a great opportunity because of a lack of faith in a God who can. What do I do about it, preacher? Ask God to give you faith. Now watch this. This is kind of a, this is kind of a, in order to have faith, you got to have faith. Preacher, I just need this much. No, you just need this much. But you got to start somewhere. Well, I'm going to wait till God just get No. He gave you the promise. Now it's up to you to believe him. The promise is there. But you got, Peter, come on out in the water. See, the promise was there. His word was given. But Peter had to believe him enough to step out of the boat onto the water. Y'all with me? Try him. I think you'll like what you find. And all God's people say it. Let's stand. Let's stand. Let's be dismissed and pray. And Well, it's good to be back on Wednesday night. Good to be back. Amen. Well, let's pray. Uh, and by the way, uh, I was supposed to announce uh, or say something uh, Sunday about the wedding. If you didn't get an invite, here it is. <clears throat> is it four? Uh, what time is it? Four? Four o'clock. Uh, I'll be taking up an offering to, uh, <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, just don't eat a whole lot. When, no. Uh, four o'clock, all kidding aside, you know, some of the, Tammy was all worried. People would get offended because a lot of the, the invites come back and, and something, I don't know, whatever, wrong addresses or whatever. But anyway, we'd love to have you. Uh, uh, but it's four o'clock Saturday and, and so forth and so on. You have been invited. Say amen right there. All right, Lord, thank you for all your blessings. Thank you for everybody. Boy, it was a great crowd tonight, Lord. Bless them. Help us to be obedient, Lord. Help us to take this. Use it for your glory. Go out there and be obedient to you so we can see the blessings flow in our life. Help us to be good stewards of what you've given us. In Jesus' name we all pray. And all God's people say it. Amen. amen. Good night, everybody.